back in the uh, 70s, my mother-in-law had uh, this chronic back pain that she could not really deal with. There was no medication at that time other than muscle relaxers to help, and she didn't like taking those, and, and she was just she was in pain all the time. And she heard about uh, an acupuncturist who could help. So she went, and uh, he practiced out of his apartment, which is a little sketchy. And um, but if you if you know if you've ever been in chronic pain, you'll try anything. And she tried anything, and it more or less helped. Years later, 20, 25 years later. I'm, uh, I'm shaving in my mirror in the bathroom, and I hear the phone ring, and I'm the only one at the house. Uh, you young people don't re- know, wouldn't uh, be able to relate to this, but we only had one phone. I had to leave and go pick it up. And, uh, and she said, hey, I didn't know who else to call. I'm, uh, I'm spitting up blood. I just thought somebody ought to know. And I said, okay, well, that sounds bad. Where's your husband? Where's Harold? Uh, he, he's at work. I can't get him. No, again, no cell phones. Okay. Well, okay. So I, I'm in Mississippi. She's in Houston. Uh, I hang up. I immediately call a friend of mine who's a practicing physician. By God's grace, he answers the do- uh, phone. I have no idea how he had time to do that. And I told him what she had said, and he said, you need to get her to a hospital right now. And so I hung up. I called uh, Harold's boss. Got her. He uh Got a hold of Harold. Harold went home, took her to the hospital. Long story short, when she had gone to get that acupuncture, she contracted hepatitis C. And it was growing and wrecking her liver very quietly for about 25 years until it showed up, and we had two years left with her. It was hidden. It was, it was completely, 100% hidden. She was completely healthy. She was playing tennis into her 60s. She was vibrant, and she was dying because she had this disease in her that was never going to go away, and she didn't even know it. Uh, that is what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. As he ends his book of Galatians, he is just sending us one more reminder that sin doesn't go away. It's going to sit there in your heart as long as you cuddle it, as long as you practice it, as long as you live without confessing it. It will consume you. It will not go away. There is this law of nature that God put into the creation. It's called you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And under God's penalty, he allows us to reap the harvest of sin and everything that it brings with it, which is death. And under God's grace, He allows us to reap infinitely more than we would expect. And he invites us, will you reap to the flesh, sow to the flesh or sow to the Spirit? Please stand as we uh, read this wonderful text.
from Galatians chapter 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Uh, that thus ends the reading. Just kidding. Uh, sorry. Couldn't resist. I should have resisted. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. This ends the reading of God's word. All men are like grass, and all of our glory is like the flowers of the field, and the grass withers and the flowers fall, but not God's word. God's word stands forever. You may be seated. Sowing and reaping, it's, it is uh, in the very fabric of our universe. It is a, a forever principle. And, but by, and the truth of the matter is, if we sow sin, we reap a harvest that is worse than we would have ever imagined. And if we sow by, to the Spirit, we reap a harvest that exceeds our wildest dreams and expectations. Uh, the first thing I want you to see is that God is not mocked. He uh, is holy. He is exactly what he says that he is. He is our, our Lord. He sees everything. And he tells us, do not confuse his patience for blindness. Do not confuse his patience for blindness. He sees us. He hears us. He hears our hearts. When Y'all know this feeling. When there's a conversation you need to have, when there is a hurt that you have inflicted on someone else and you really need to tell them that you at least see what you did, and you just choose not to. You just choose not to. You kind of close your heart up to your brothers. You, you close your stomach up 
to your brothers. You refuse to do that one simple thing, that one phrase of forgiveness, that one phrase of apology. You just refuse to do it. Your pride won't let you. Your hurt won't let you. Your, uh, your ego won't let you. And God hears it. And he sees it. Second uh, Peter 3 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you. He doesn't wish that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. It will come. And when the Lord hands us over to judgment, the judgment is that he allows this this principle of sowing and reaping to take place in your life. You reap what you sow. If you sow to bitterness, you will reap a bitter character. If you sow to sexual immorality, then you'll reap a life that's incapable of experiencing the the intimacy and the joy of love that it was created for. If you sow to, to greed, you'll reap a life where you have the you may probably have the, the the wealth and the riches that you wanted but you don't have the capacity in your heart to enjoy them because the only way to truly enjoy wealth is to share it and you just can't because you've become small and tight you reap what you sow that is the law he says he, he gives us over to ourselves he, he says in um just earlier in the passage, we said we read it just a few uh, weeks ago. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You should love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. That's just reaping what you sow. If you reap a life of biting and devouring, you sow. I mean, you sow. I'm sorry. I always get that confused, don't I? If you sow a life of biting and devouring and criticism and anger and bitterness, you will reap someone else talking about you and being bitter and angry. And you will consume each other. Congratulations. That's, that's the bad news. Paul, God gives us over to what we want. Romans 1, 28 through 30 says this. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what they ought to do what ought not to be done. They refused to acknowledge God. They refused to, to repent and see Him. And therefore, He gave them over to their own minds, to their own hearts. So what did it look like? They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, strife deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, and disobedient to their parents. I always thought that was an interesting one to stick on there. My kids aren't even here to hear it. You reap what you sow. Sin's serious. It's not going anywhere. It's not you can you can push it down. You can cover it up with the with the appearance of health, with the with the veneer of of um, spiritual vitality. But if you are uh, if you're coddling those sins, if you're refusing to confess, if you're refusing 
to, to bring them to the surface and, and deal with them, it's a cancer underneath. And it's wrecking you underneath. You reap what you sow. If you sow to the flesh, you reap death. But, whew, I got to the but. The good news is that God is endlessly merciful. The good news is that when you sow to the Spirit, you don't reap what you sow. You reap infinitely more than you sow. I don't know if you noticed in the call to worship. Look, look at back at it in the bulletin. You'll see what? If you sow tears, you reap joy. That's a pretty good transaction. Those who go out sowing in the morning and weeping in the morning come back in the evening with shouts of joy. That God is endlessly merciful and gracious. If you sow to the Spirit, you reap eternal life. I mean, that's like putting macaroni and cheese in the microwave and 30 seconds later, ding, you know, and you open the microwave and there's, you know, Wagyu beef, filet, mignon, and potatoes and salad. You just keep pulling it out the entire feast and turn from, from mac and cheese, right? You, you, you put in so little and you get back so much. I, I can't imagine what a, you know, a steak plant would look like, but it's like you're sowing turnips. And you come back, and there's a fillet, and you're like, "Who knew?" It's it's infinitely more than you expected. If you sow to the Spirit, you reap eternal life. That is good news, my friends. That is good news. You re, you reap justification. You're accepted into the household of faith. That's what eternal life is. It is a it is a now truth that you are accepted. That your sins are are taken away, and that your you're clothed in the righteousness and the beauty of Christ. He has dressed us like a bridegroom ready for our wedding. He, he's put beautiful garments upon us, uh, Isaiah 61 says. You're, you're, he, he, he talks about us being in the household of faith. You're in the family. You're accepted. It, you're, you, you've been brought in by uh, God's Son, and, and He is adopted you and he's given you all the access that the sons of, and daughters of God could possibly have full access given to you he's your father he's endlessly merciful he's made you a member of the household of faith he's he's cleansed you he's given you sanctification you've if I boast, I boast only in the cross of Christ through which I, I've been crucified and the world has been crucified to me. What does that mean? It means we can see our sins through the cross of Christ. They've been paid for. We see what they're truly like. We see their nature. The world's been crucified to me. Those things that used to be so appealing, I now see them through the cross. And through the cross, I see that they bring death and shame and rejection and darkness. And I'm not enticed by those things anymore. I see that, uh, I, I see where my sin leads, and I don't want to follow that anymore. And I'm able to, to live a life of freedom, of cleansing. I don't live a life of shame anymore. 
I don't live a life of, of beating myself up anymore. I, uh, I was talking to my wife this morning. She went to Houston to be with her dad for his birthday. And um, <laughs> so I just kind of when I only know how to cook one meal, right? And so I just sent a text out to my boys, said, I'm going to be grilling steaks. That's all I know how to do. Um, like, literally, that was the entire meal. Um, and uh, I said, you know, come over if you want to. I'm going to be grilling them at 530. Come over if you want to. I was shocked. All of them came over. They all came over. They brought their wives. They brought one mother-in-law. It, the house was just full, and I was, I was literally shocked. And I was texting my, with my wife about it, and she's like, well, how was it? And she was all jealous. And I said, it was great. It was just wonderful. I was really shocked that they came. And she said, Why? And I said, I just can't think about them and their childhood without beating myself up and convincing myself that they resent me. It's not true. That is a satanic accusation that is crucified to me. It's not true. That's not who I am. I'm free from that. Yeah, I messed up. But that's not my reputation. That's not what I'm known for. I'm a new creation. I'm new. I, there's nothing we could possibly sow. I mean, don't, don't get confused. I, I want you to understand the miraculous extent of this. Okay? You don't sow anything that deserves to grow back as new creation. You don't. It's not like if you apologize hard enough, bing, you know, you deserve the new creation. It's miraculous. It is a gift of God because he loves to be gracious. He, he loves to, to, to turn because he just loves to show mercy. We have, we have acceptance into God's family. We have cleansing and death to sin, and we're alive to, to Christ. We have new creation. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit in us. I don't, I don't know if you notice this, but if you go back and you look at verse 8, it says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit, capital S, will from the Spirit, capital S, reap eternal life. You've got the Holy Spirit within you. He, he, he resides in you. He's the... Uh, He's the Secret Service's forward team. You know, if, if the president's going to come to your town, the, the Secret Service gets there days before, and they prepare everything so that you're ready, you're secure, you're safe, you are prepared for the arrival of the president. And the Holy Spirit has, has taken up residence within us, and he is making us prepared and ready and, and secure to be united to Christ to be united to the Father once and for all. If we were united to Him immediately, we'd, just, we'd be consumed by His holiness, but he's, he's at work in us to prepare us for it because, as shocking as it is, we are made partakers in the divine nature. You've got the Holy Spirit within you making you partakers of the divine nature. You're not simply human anymore. You're infinitely more. You're infinitely more. You've got the Spirit within you. You reap that. You, again, you don't, you don't have Spirit seeds in you. There's nothing 
worthy of uh, that you have, but but God plants His seed in in you. He plants His seed in us, so that not only is the Holy Spirit within us, but we actually are capable of doing good. I, I, it was funny this week. If you were there on Wednesdays, I, I taught about perseverance of the saints and. Um, and I stress that the word is perseverance, not preservation. It's both. The reason why we persevere is because he preserves us. But I stress this perseverance because I want you to understand that you have God's seed within you. You have his spirit within you. And that's not going anywhere. And you are capable now of doing good. You're capable of doing his work. And anytime you try, you know, sometimes it's hard, you know, and you're just, I don't know, you, you, you have a friend who's struggling and, and you want so badly to help and you think, man, if I just say the right thing, I'll fix everything. That's not how it works. And, uh, but you listen and you try. That's sowing to the Spirit. That's showing kindness. And the Holy Spirit now has something to work with. And he goes, he, he, he gets behind you and he... He just he goes behind you. He works with you. He's the, he's the wind that's blowing you along. You become like the, the woodpecker that, you know, pecks a few times on a tree and then all of a sudden lightning strikes it and cuts it in half. And you pick yourself up and you go show your friends what you did. The, the Spirit's within you. Some of you got it. The Spirit is within you. And, and you're able, you are able to do, have consequence. Your, your actions matter. You can actually do good. He says in verse 9, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Sometimes we do what we don't want to do just to be, because the Holy Spirit's in there. And he enables us to do what we don't want to do. You know, every, every Saturday I know that when my phone rings, it's, it's my dad calling. And I answer. And I let him talk to me. Because he wants to. And because God wants me to be kind to him. He wants me to be kind. He wants me to show mercy. And that... That's what we call walking in step with the Spirit, not grieving the Spirit. Doing what the Lord wants us to do, to do good to each other, to show love to each other. And, the, and the, when, when you combine God's holiness and the, and the sinfulness of our sin with God's merciful abundance, what we see is that God's goodness leads us to repentance. It's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. Uh, this this week was Ash Wednesday. Uh, Ash Wednesday was this week, rather. And the, the classic passage that the Anglican Church reads for Ash Wednesday is Joel 2, verses 12 and 13. And he says, uh, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and with rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. That's the classic passage of repentance. But it doesn't end there. Why would we return to the Lord our God? For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, 
and abounding in steadfast, never stopping, never ceasing, always pursuing, always faithful love. Because he's a, that's the kind of God he's like. It's that goodness that brings us to repentance. I mean, the classic parable about repentance, right, is the, the prodigal son. You got the, the lost son, he's feeding pigs, he is, he's unclean himself, he is doing an unclean act, he's lost everything that he has, and he remembers. He, doesn't, he does not all of a sudden remember the fear of the Lord. He, doesn't, he is reaping what he's sown, but he doesn't all of a sudden just think, oh my gosh, if I don't go back home, my, my father's going to send his army to spank me, to, to, to harm me, to, to arrest me. He says, my father's servants have it better than I have. The goodness of the Lord. It's the goodness of the Lord that makes him come back. When the older brother refuses to come in and welcome his, his brother, he, the, the father comes out to him to, to seek him out and to say, everything I have is yours. He doesn't say, get in there and hug your brother. I, you know, see how easily that just can't, ran off my tongue? I've said that a few thousand times in my life. He says, son, everything I have is yours. You just got to walk in this door to get it. Everything I have is yours. The goodness of the Lord brings us to repentance. Look at the, the goodness that the Apostle Paul ends this text with. As for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. And then finally, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits, brothers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the peace, the shalom, the perfect, the, the, that feeling that everything is right and whole and complete. Do you know that? We don't, we, we in the Presbyterian Church don't stress the subjectivity of the Lord very much. Or, and by very much, I mean ever at all, not a single time. Um, but shalom is something you experience. It's a calmness. It's the, the feeling in your heart that the Lord, the Lord describes as the peace that, pursue, uh, that surpasses all understanding. And why do we have that? Because of the mercy of the Lord. It never fails. It always pursues. It never gives up. And the grace of the Lord, giving us infinitely more than we deserve, not giving us the spanking we deserve, not giving us the punishment we deserve, giving us infinitely more. I was trying to teach grace to my kids when they were little, and um, Harold did something mean to Brundage, and it was something that I'd warned him about a hundred times, and uh, and he did it again, he did it blatantly, he did he, I don't want to make him, he was a kid, right? I'm not trying to make him sound bad. I wish I hadn't said his name, but I did. Um, anyway, so I, I, I said, you know, I, I was on the verge of losing my temper, and I said, get in the car. And I drove him around the corner, and I lectured him on how hurtful he had been. And he said, okay, Dad, I'm sorry. And I said, what did I say I was going to do to you the next time you did that? And he said, you said you were going to spank me. And I said, okay. So I started the car up, and I drove to the snow cone stand. I said, go get a snow cone. And he said, why? 
I said, because you deserve a spanking. And he said, what? And I said, son, not getting the spanking you deserve, that's mercy. But getting a snow cone, which at that time was his favorite thing in the universe, getting a snow cone when you deserve a spanking, that's grace. The Lord gives us his mercy and his grace. All we have to do is sow our confession, sow our repentance, and we reap snow cones of grace. Please pray with me. Father, we confess that we believe our sin does something for us. It gives us power. It gives us joy. It gives us status. It gives us security. Father, we confess that all those ideas are just wrong. We confess our sins to you. And we pray that you would make us to feel and to know your grace and your peace.